Thank you, guys. That was awesome. All right, if you are a kiddo and you are in this room, you are officially dismissed to go to the back and meet with your teachers and go downstairs. Uh, Jesus, would you bless our kids? I'm going to get myself organized. So I have an error here and that my cup is too big. Like, that might be difficult. Ah, suck it up. Ah, suck it up. <laughs> I will mention that Adam, one day in a sermon, mentioned he wished he had a cup holder and it appeared. And so he keeps mentioning to you guys that he'd like a hammock as well. And I'm telling you, if anyone brings a hammock, I'm going to have words. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm Jenna. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I'm one of the pastors here. I oversee our worship team and our prayer team and our small groups. Uh, and today I'm going to do this. Yeah, Adam is, who is our lead pastor, he is in Casper, Wyoming today. Uh, the Wellsprings Church in Casper, Wyoming, that is led by Walt Hill, is becoming the Wellspring Vineyard Church today. Uh, they are adopting into the vineyard, and so he is down there alongside a bunch of the other Montana Vineyard pastors, uh, celebrating and exhorting them to go into the dangerous places and heal the, heal the sick. And so uh, that's what he's doing today. He will be back with us tonight and back up here in this place next Sunday. Uh, which is exciting. We together are on a journey through the book of John, which is one of the four gospels that sit at the beginning of the New Testament, right? These books detail the life of Jesus and are the anchor of what we call the good news. Um, that Jesus was a real man who lived among humans a couple thousand years ago uh, and did miraculous things to include conquering death so that we might do the same. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, our hope as we move through John's gospel is that we would start to understand this concept of glory, the glory of God, and we're defining that as the weighty felt presence of God. Uh, and that's part of what we're doing in our Lent uh, devotional series as we move through some contemplative scripture together, and, and what we are talking about here is how do we understand and experience the weighty felt presence of God? And there's something happening in the scripture right now as we uh, are with Jesus, as he is kind of in the final days with his disciples and headed towards the Garden of Gethsemane, and that is he is teaching the disciples uh, that now that they know the glory of God, now that they know the weighty felt presence of God, uh, their job is to become that weighty felt presence of God for the sake of the world. And so this is kind of the transition that we're making in these last couple weeks and how the rest of this series will go, which will end Easter Sunday, which is April 9th. Uh, my message today weaves through John chapters 15 and 16, and that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. And before we dig in, though, I'd like to begin with the end in mind, because I love it when people make things very clear to me. And so uh, if you were asking, what is my point today? What is, what is the one thing I want you to walk away with? It is this. Love each other. The weighty felt presence of God, I believe, can also be defined as love. And as we move through these verses today, I'm going to keep coming back to that feltness of love and that we are to love each other, and that that is our job. Okay? Let's pray. Jesus, 
I thank you that you would gather us today, that we could be with each other and with you. Could we understand your glory? Could we understand your weighty felt presence better today because we've gathered than we did yesterday? Would you equip us to go into the world with this weighty felt presence? Would you equip us to understand and be able to communicate about your glory? And would you teach us to love well? Amen. Would you open your Bible, if you've got it, to John chapter 15? We're going to start in verse 1. It reads like this. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by my message, by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. That's a good word. This brings great glory to my Father. When we produce good fruit, we bring great weighty felt presence to the Father. That's pretty cool. All right, let's talk about grapes, shall we? Grapes are ridiculously finicky, hard to grow, and hard to manage. Soil has to be very good or a grape won't grow. Uh, Water needs to be monitored and and done in a way that doesn't either kill them or cause them to go wild. Um, And they are notorious for not wanting to produce good fruit because uh, if you don't tend to a grapevine, it will grow branch after branch after branch after branch, kind of go wild and not ever produce any good fruit. It just ends up shooting out more vines. And so a vineyard needs a good gardener. Well, the first line of this says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. And I would wager to say that our father is probably a rather good gardener. Uh, and so as we move through this, I just want to, to, for us to think about, okay, wild vines don't, they, they, they don't produce what we, what we would hope to produce versus vines that are tended, vines that are uh, kept well are going to produce good fruit. Uh, The the vine and a vineyard was a really common plant uh, to this audience that that Jesus is speaking to. It's a Jewish audience. Uh, One, they had vineyards all around them. It was a very common thing in that part of the world, and it was a very common part of the culture. Uh, There are several books in the Old Testament that give uh, basically the nation of Israel 
is compared to a vine. These verses, I'm not going to go into them today, but they can be found in Old Testament books like Isaiah and Ezekiel, Hosea and Jeremiah. And so the, the Jewish audience would have known that when Jesus is talking about the vine, that he was talking about Israel as well. But interestingly, uh, the, the biblical narrative of Israel in, and the vine was that the, Israel wasn't a very good vineyard. It, was, it, was, it would uh, kind of disintegrate, and it, it, it was constantly uh, moving towards death instead of moving towards life. And so the fact that Jesus says, I am the true vine, uh, he's trying to help them understand that uh, the vineyard that they want uh, can only be found through him. And I want to make that point in this, and I want to compare it to our current culture in that um, people were traditionally Jewish at this time, and, you, and, and it was culturally acceptable, and you could just kind of be it and not have to belong or follow Jesus or even uh, the scriptures in any um, succinct way because it could just be part of your culture. And I believe in America, we've done kind of the same thing where for a long, long time, America was Christian, right? And we just identified as Christian and we, we went on with our lives. And it was part of what you were if you were American for the most part, not completely, but, but this was a Christian country. And what Jesus is saying is uh, that is akin to a wild vine. It's not being tended. It's not uh, being taken care of. It's just kind of doing its own thing and saying that it's, you know, a, a, a grapevine, um, but it's not actually doing what it was meant to do, which is to produce good fruit. Uh, and so as Jesus is going through this section with the disciples, he's trying to help them understand that just because you're Jewish doesn't make you someone who produces good fruit. And I would wager the same, like just because uh, we are traditionally Christian, uh, it doesn't mean that we're producing good fruit. Now, here's one of the beautiful things that I see in this season that we're in, and COVID kind of sped it up, but just being Christian to be Christian is going away, right? It's not something that our culture is attached to anymore. And so what, I, what I'm seeing is this beautiful uh, birth, I guess, and growth of folks who really do want to be following Jesus, folks who really do want to be attached to the vine, folks that really do want to be producing good fruit are calling themselves Christian. And I think we're in for that changing the world. Uh, I'm talking a lot here about good fruit, so I would like to define it. Uh, one of the most popular passages for this is a passage in Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, which is Galatians 5.22, and that is this verse. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I tried to do this finger and that didn't work. Uh, this is a verse that I encourage people to memorize because it just helps us anchor in, okay, what, what does Jesus define as good fruit? And it's this beautiful list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But I want us to notice what word is first. Love. 
And I think that that's important because I feel like everything else in that list, if you, if, if you are producing those things, if that's what you look like, you look like love. And if we are to be love to the world, uh, then all that other fruit is a, is a part of that. But love is the main thing, main in the plane. Um, so I want to reread here John 15 at the beginning uh, in context with that Galatians 5. So I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. The most luxurious vines that bear the most beautiful fruit have been drastically pruned over a long period of time. One thing about vines is when a, when a vine is young, uh, it, it grows gangbusters, but it doesn't produce any fruit for quite a while. We're talking years. Uh, and a good gardener will cut it back, uh, cut off little shoots that, sh that, that shoot off and start helping it grow some really solid center branches, some really, a really strong foundation. Uh, when the weak branches also cannot bear the weight of fruit, and so if they're left to themselves, they'll, they'll start to produce fruit, but then they'll actually kill themselves. And after initial years of pruning, a gardener lets the stronger branches, branches emerge and then actually cuts back like crowded branches or weaker branches or even good branches that aren't going to bear the best fruit because they're competing with a different branch. And this is an art. This is a craft. This is something that a gardener learns over uh, time and uh, has to become good at it. Jesus knew this, and so he shared this parable with the disciples to help them understand the process of transformation. So as Christians, uh, we, are, we are always on a journey, we are always on a process of learning to follow Jesus, of learning to understand uh, his ways versus our ways, and, and keep walking towards doing things the way that Jesus would do. And so this section of scripture is Jesus in a parable trying to help the disciples understand that process. Uh, that he is the root, he is the source, he is the vine from which we grow from, and he also is the one who tends to us, which is awesome, and keeps us from going wild. He gives us all we need to produce good fruit or to produce love. Our job is to remain in relationship with him. And so how do we do that? We are going to jump over to John 16, verse 5, um, to better understand how we do that. You ready? But now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. 
Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. So we have an advocate. Uh, this is also known as the Holy Spirit. Uh, I do want to take a moment and just talk about this fact that Jesus is saying very clearly to disciples, you have to let go of me for this next piece to come. He's trying to help them grieve. He's trying to help them understand that there are things at play here that are larger than they can understand, uh, but something better is coming. And I think there are so many ways that we grieve in this lifetime where we don't understand why something has been taken or we don't understand, uh, you know, the greater picture from the spiritual realm. But I think this is a really good section of scripture that helps us know uh, sometimes what is coming uh, means that something that we love and that we have uh, needs to go. So he's trying to help the disciples understand, and, and he's said it a couple times in previous verses, but he's, he's helping them know that he, he will go away, he is going to die, but that, but that it is good. And in that process, the Holy Spirit is coming. Uh, this section of scripture, to me, at first glance, is, is har harsh because it's talking about the Holy Spirit and how it judges, convicts, and condemns. <laughs> but if we look at the Greek language, uh, it, it, our English language tends to look at things as black and white, right and wrong, whereas Greek is much more relational. And Brad said something to me the other day that was super helpful, where uh, it's more about wisdom and foolishness. Uh, and so in the Greek, this language and, and the way it's translated is a much more transactional, relational concept where uh, it's more like a cross-examination or a debate where the Holy Spirit comes to us and helps us to understand uh, what, what is good, what is, what is wisdom, and what is foolishness and invites us to understand his ways. And we can still choose whatever way that we're choosing, but it's this constant beckoning, this constant coming to, um, I have a way that is molded after how you are meant to function. Uh, and if you allow me to help you change, I will. And that's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit's job is to come into the world and help the world see how it's functioning and invite it to function as it was designed to function. Uh, so the Holy Spirit guides us in wisdom. We're going to move on into John 16, 12 through 15. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is what I said. The spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. And so we have this gift uh, that is the weighty felt presence of God 
It is the mouth of God. It is the voice of Jesus that is with us in this time as we operate and is meant to help us to discern for ourselves the difference between wisdom and foolishness. And it beckons us from our foolish ways into the ways that we were designed to function. And it does the same for everyone that we encounter. So I think if we root the fact that it's for, that we are to change and we are to respond to the Holy Spirit, we have to remember that he's doing that in every person. Every person we meet, every interaction that we have, God is working in us and God is working in them to move us towards his good design for us. I'd like to revisit the vineyard image, all right? So as I was preparing this message, I asked God, what would you like us, this church today, to know about this? And very quickly and kindly and gently, uh, these words came to my mind that I know are not my own. And Jesus said, would you put down the pruning knife? It is not your job. And I tell you, I've sat with that for the last few days, and I am, I am changed. Because I know that I have spent time hacking away at myself, trying to change, trying to do the right things, trying to be good, uh, and trying to transform myself when it wasn't what Jesus was doing in me. And I've hurt myself in, in how I've done that. Um, but more troubling is that I've, I've done that to others, trying to help. I've, I've told them, uh, you know, the ways that they need to change, the ways that they need to transform. I've, I've, I've shared with them, you know, what God would, would, would want from them and how they're designed, but it wasn't the right time, and it wasn't what God was doing, and I hurt people, and you know, people have left this church because I've done that. Uh, and it, it is, it's humbling. Uh, and so what I, what I think the Lord is trying to say today is I've, I've given the Holy Spirit and my Holy Spirit is a good gardener and my job is to prune. My job is to help people produce good fruit. My job is to bring people along and take care of their vine, just like I've take care, taken care of you, Jenna. And let me tell you, he has, he has been such a good gardener. Um, I've had some, some significant branches that needed to be cut back. But what he did for me is uh, he didn't cut those first, right? He cut, he cut smaller things. He, he, he cut some things back in other ways. One, to teach me how to handle the, the, the pain of transformation, how to, to handle the pain of being changed. Um, to to root myself in him, to remain in him. Uh, before he introduced me to the fact that I had branches that I thought were good and, you know, hardy and, 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 and beautiful, but they weren't producing his fruit, they were producing mine. And so he tended to me, and he's grown me, and I'm not done, um, but I am a much healthier vine today than I was 10 years ago, than I was as a child. And I need to trust that he's doing that in everyone else, and it's not my job. Now, I know we, we say this, this piece of, well, we're supposed to help our brothers and sisters when we see them in foolishness. 
And this would be what I would say, uh, is the Holy Spirit guiding you? And I would say that if that person isn't deeply rooted in the fact that you love them and they trust you because you love them and they know it, the Holy Spirit isn't going to ask you to speak hard things into their life or have hard conversations. And so as we navigate, you know, life with each other, uh, we have the opportunity for God with his spirit to use us to bring his weighty felt presence to each other. Um, but if we're not doing it rooted in love and we're doing it because someone needs to hear the truth or someone is our project, I promise you they're not going to feel it or receive it as love and they're going to feel us cut back their vine. And when Jesus cuts the vine, I can attest to this, and I'm sure all of you in this room can attest to this, it doesn't hurt that bad. It's not necessarily comfortable, but he's so gentle, and he doesn't do it until it's time. He doesn't do it till we're ready. Um, and, then it's, and then it's good, and we see what he's doing, and, and we can follow. I had a bit of this that I didn't, I don't know that I was going to do, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, there's something that, that happens in the Christian life. Um, there, I don't know if you are aware, but there are stages of faith um, that most people go through as they become spiritually mature. Uh, there's a stage that, that is called um, the wall by some authors, and it's because it's formidable. And it is the place where uh, we've, we've been journeying with Jesus, we've decided that we believe he is who he says he is, we've, we've had some basic discipleship, we're even journeying in our callings as Christians, we're serving, we're trying our best to do the right things and... and um, be good citizens, right? And, and we're, but there's a marking of this stage that's where we become weary of doing good. And you kind of look around and you say, is this it? Is this all this is? This is not great. I don't enjoy this. Being a follower is hard and I'm not feeling um, that connected to it. And it's at this stage uh, where we have to come face to face with our will and God's will. And it's actually a beautiful stage because it's where God beckons us into deeper relationship with him, where it's actually um, like solidified, where we know God. Sometimes in this stage, there's, there's an event that happens that causes some suffering, or there's something that happens that disillusions us, uh, and we really have to decide what it is that we believe. Um, and the reason that we get weary in this stage is because we're straddling the line of uh, doing what we think God is asking us to do and trying to follow the Holy Spirit, but also we still have a firm footing in what I want to do, what I think I should be doing, and uh, my will, if that makes sense. And so we're trying to do both at the same time, and it's exhausting. And so God invites us uh, into this wall 
for lack of a better word, and the only way to get through it is with him. And so it's an invitation to a closer relationship with him. It's an invitation to actually do this thing. It's an invitation to actually uh, surrendering to God and being in relationship to God and putting God at the center. And it's a place that the church is really not great at helping people through because all the stages prior to that the church can do. And we can create ways to disciple. We can create places for people to serve. We can help people start operating in their gifts. But we can't, we can't create your relationship with God for you. And so at this stage, it's where uh, your following of Jesus has to become real. And it's hard. And it takes complete submission and obedience. And so a lot, a lot of times we'll come up against the wall several times just trying to uh, figure out how to have a relationship with Jesus. But the good news is, is that he shows us. Uh, he, he meets us in scripture. He teaches us how to rest. He helps us to know ourselves uh, and understand our giftings so that we can operate for him. And he beckons us through the wall. And all of a sudden we have this, this thing that starts to grow that is the vibrant relationship with Jesus. It's, it is a knowing and not just knowing about, but being known. And so what's marked um, by the stage after the wall is that there is uh, joy, there is freedom, uh, there is a deeper understanding of who you are and what you're for, there's a letting go of the things of this world that have been occupying uh, your mind and your space, uh, and it, it, it's, it's defined by people that have God at the center of their life, and they kind of let everything else go. And I wanted to just mention that today, because one, I think there's a lot of us in that place, and we don't talk about it. Um, this is the place where people leave the church. This is the place where people deconstruct. This is the place uh, where people lose their faith, because they don't know what to do with their doubts. They don't know what to do with their questions. And so my invitation to you is, if this is somewhere that you are, press in to God. Uh, look at, at, at your, your rhythms. Look at the ways that you're engaging with God. And, and just do it. Focus. Challenge yourself to, to actually engage. Um, read scripture. Take a Sabbath. Uh, do centering prayer. Like, these are all spiritual disciplines. If you want to know more about them, I teach about them in the Life in the Spirit class. That's a shameless plug. Uh, but this is where this, this uh, you've got to make it your own. Nobody can do it for you. And, and what's marked by that then is, is a vibrant uh, human who is, who is healed, who is attached to Jesus, remaining in him as he remains in you, and is showing the love of God uh, and usually exhibiting the list of fruit of the Spirit. Uh, this week, in our 40 days of experiencing God, we've been in John 15. And so if you're doing those exercises, uh, You've, you've been sitting in, in this next scripture that I'm going to go through, but what I thought we'd do today is I would just invite, invite you um, into this place that we're, we're doing in the 40 days. 
Um, so I'm going to read this next section of scripture. And I want you to think about it as it relates to um, your journey and even this wall concept that I just talked about. And I want you to think about the way that, that Jesus gives us this image of the vine and how good of a tender he is. And we're just going to see if he has anything he'd like to say to us as we go through this now. So, I'm going to try not to be weird, but take here a little bit of a position of receiving, okay? So however that means to you, I just want you to open yourself up to the Holy Spirit to receive it, okay? And if that means holding your hands op open on your lap, great. Uh, if that, you know, is signify to you, sometimes I'll put my hand on my heart just to help myself know that, like, I need to open my heart, right? Um, and Ashley, I'm just going to read this so that it's a little bit more felt, if that makes sense. Uh, and I just want you to see what the Holy Spirit shows you. Today in the devotional, we're, we're looking at each other and who might be here to help us in our process, right? To help us with our vine. And so we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us in this piece of scripture. You ready? Here we go. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you return in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you would be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. You are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. This is my command. Love each other. That is your job. I do want to just touch on this, this phrase that, that Jesus says right there at the end. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And that can get tricky because sometimes we ask God for things and we don't get it. So why does he say that I'll give you everything you ask for? And I will say this, if you are in him and he remains in you and he is giving you a desire and giving you something to ask for, it's because he's going to give it. And there's this, this, this nuance to it that when we are operating as the Father would have us operate, then everything that we have to give is from him. 
So everything that we ask for is from him. And so it makes sense that, 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 what, that he would give us all that we ask for because we're asking for what he wants. Does that make sense? We're asking for things that would produce good fruit. Uh, there's a section in here that just talks about how much the world is going to hate us as we do this. That's fun. Uh, but I wanted uh, to just mention what, what do we do with this hatred, right? What do we do with, with this, this stuff that starts happening to us as we produce good fruit? And I would say that returning hatred with hatred is human, and that returning love with love is human, uh, but returning love for hatred is the way of Christ. Uh, and it is impossible to do on our own. Uh, I look at the list in Galatians 5 of what is good fruit, and I cannot do that on my own. I try mightily, and I fail, and I get frustrated when I fail because I want to be better. But the thing is, I, I, I'm not going to be better uh, because I can't be, and that's okay, and that's why we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that's why he does that work in us and through us. And so we are to remain in him as he remains in us. Uh, I'm going to have the band come on back up, but I just want to just say one last thing, and that is this. Uh, in John 15, we have that phrase, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. That verse, as well as one other, uh, was one of the verses that was chosen in this kind of hippie small group of folks that gathered uh, a handful of years ago in a house in California and started the Vineyard Church. The Vineyard uh, denomination is, is called such because of this verse. And I don't think that's a coincidence for this family. I'm not saying that we are the be-all, end-all. I'm not saying that we are more special than any other church. But I am saying that we are marked by people who want to remain in me and I in them, and who want to operate out of the Holy Spirit and not ourselves. We are, you know, bringing a new vineyard into the, the, the tribe today. Uh, the vineyard, in its weirdness and, and you know, you know, it's pretty weird, um, is a place for the outliers, for the outcasts, for the weird folks to come because we want to unabashedly pursue the Holy Spirit and produce good fruit as a movement, and that includes this little church in Billings, Montana. Yeah, and so the way I would close that is saying we want to be the weighty felt presence of love in this world. And as our Between the Sundays liturgy states that we end with every week, may we cast out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit. May we speak in new tongues because the Holy Spirit is giving us words that aren't our own. May we tread into the dangerous places because he is protecting us and inviting us into those dangerous places. Please don't go into dangerous places if you're not being told to do so by the Holy Spirit. Deal? and pray for the sick and heal them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's worship.